We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. I'm doing my best to go live now while we're, while we're just starting our live stream. Madge, do you have a favourite song to sing at the football? Oh, well, the first one that comes to mind um, was probably for an ex-Raw player that was brought back to front of mind because the Matildas posted it on um, on one of their posts, is Hayley Razzo's song that we do. So um, we've got Hayley, 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 Hayley Razzo on the wing. So, so that's a really good one to, to sing and it really gets the crowd involved. And, uh, yeah, so that's probably one of my faves. How does it... Maybe you'll sing the whole thing for us. Welcome, everyone, to episode 73 of the Beyond 90 podcast. My name is Cheryl Downs. My pronouns are she, her. We've got a couple of uh, different people, or Madge isn't different, but we've got Madge on the podcast. We're fortunate to have Neil Bennett on the podcast with us today to talk about his love of Perth glory and all things Western Australia. Eric has just joined in perfect timing. He's joined the podcast as well, and hopefully we'll have Dale joining shortly too. Dale, no doubt, would love to talk about the FA Cup results. But for the moment, just after having our Hayley Razzo song, let's talk about our first segment of the week, which is always history-based. So cap number 73, aligning with episode number 73, Claire Nichols. I don't know if anyone remembers Claire, but she debuted in 1994. So we already talked last podcast about how we had a gap between 1991 and 1994, where we had no new debutantes. So really good to see a couple coming through from 1994. She's actually the youngest person to ever play for Australia, man or woman, woman or man, which when we think about the youngsters that we've had out there and certainly some of the younger players that we have now, to think that someone was just 14 years, 160 days old, and she debuted between the sticks as a goalkeeper for the Matildas in 1994 but that was and when I talk about she debuted in 94 versus 89 sorry um one was an A international and one was not and that's why you might get confused Claire went on to play 30 games for the Matildas including 19 A internationals I think she got to a point where she was injured reasonably unhappily and doesn't play football anymore to the best of my knowledge but um congratulations Claire Nichols something to be proud of 30 games for the Matildas first to- international is 94 all right yes that's correct ah, yes, yes. yes her first Matildas match was 89 but then yeah yep. doesn't count on some of the stats uh-huh. until then uh-huh. anyway sorry if I've confused anyone Let's talk about more confusing things. The Matildas played game one of their international double against the USA on Saturday last week or something. They lost 3-0. It was more of a 1-0 kind of um, decision in my mind. But they went on to another match on Tuesday evening against the US in Newcastle. Different result, different game, a one-all draw. Um, Eric, I'm assuming that you're at the game. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown of that one? I think it would have been nice if they'd realised the game had started before the US had scored. Uh, Then it was kind of an interesting game. And really, like, I think obviously we're going to talk about Clay Wheeler at the end, but... 
uh, I don't know. Just this was kind of an odd performance by the Matildas. And certain things like Tamika Yelp at left back was unexpected, at least from my point of view. And they potentially were a bit lucky not to be um, more goals down. They were I mean, they were definitely lucky with the Kai Simon late equalizer, but that's the way it goes. And you know, it's the kind of game that will provide uh, plenty more for. Uh, Tony Gustafson to think about to, in addition to all the stuff he already has to think about. Yeah, t- totally agree, Eric. Um, I, I got to work the next day and people were, you know, who were just sort of casual fans were coming up and saying, oh, the Matildas did better last night. And I'm like, well, I actually think they played better in the in the 3-0 loss um, than in the one-all draw. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was a bit of an odd one. And, um, and I agree with the Tamika at left back was a bit odd, especially when there were some other options there on the bench that could have gotten a run. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, th- I thought the first the first game, first half in particular, they were much, much better. Um, but it just highlights once again, and it's been talked about ad infinitum, just how lacking in depth we are for defensive cover. Um, certainly the centre-back pairings, that needs to be sorted out really quickly. But I think it's a little further up the field that the problem lies. I, I just don't think they're getting any cover from midfield. And this may sound like a little bit of um, an unpopular opinion, but Ellie Carpenter seems to have lost the plot in terms of her defensive duties. She is just bombing on that many times. And it was noticeable in the second game that the Americans were pinging the space in behind her every time she went forward. If they got the transition ball, they got in behind her very, very quickly. And as great an athlete as she is, she was caught too far up the field, I thought, on a number of occasions. And centre-back pairings getting dragged over onto that side. And then they were whipping the ball across onto the other side, onto the other fullback, and and they were getting a great deal of joy out of that. So is she playing in the right position? Um, should be playing as a true wing-back and, and, and playing further up the field? Um, because I think that there were some issues in that right-back area where she was just caught out so many times. But... Yeah, I think in front of the back four as well, there needs to be some somebody. So Callum Knight was mentioned on a number of occasions during the commentary. And I, I think we do need a genuine holding midfielder because um, Emily Van Egmond is not that. She's far too adventurous. And they did get caught out a few times, I felt. And, and the Americans, let's face it, they're the best in the world just about. Um, we're going to punish us. So, yeah, I agree. I think the first game on the Saturday was a much better performance. I'll jump jump in just quickly before Dale has his chance at thoughts from the ground as well. I'm assuming you're at the ground, but very much agree with, you know, we keep pointing the finger at the defenders or we keep pointing our finger at the defence specifically, but everyone has a job to defend. And that's why I do believe that it breaks down well before that it actually gets to those players. It's almost like saying a goalkeeper is responsible for a goal. They're not. They are. They have a job that one of their accountabilities to, is to try and prevent the goal, but everyone has that similar accountability, and that's why it's really good to see the way that Sam Kerr often includes herself in that defending aspect as well. She's not just an out, out and out and attacker who sits there waiting for the ball to be delivered to her. She's hustling, trying to get that ball as well. Dale, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I echo most of what the rest of the gang has said. I th- think the the uh, Carpenter's move into central defence in the first game I thought was quite interesting and also quite telling 
Um, uh, not necessarily so much from a that game perspective, but I think also from a going forward perspective. Um, one of Ellie's greatest uh, gifts, for want of a word, is that she's extremely competitive. And I think that in that kind of situation where we had the, you know, the first half, Nash didn't, um, you know, the experiment may be a little bit too soon. Nevin was still there. As we know, she got pushed out to the right um, eventually. Um, but uh, Carpenter coming on and being the kind of leader in the mid, uh, in the centre of defence, I think is quite interesting to see. Um, obviously, in terms of defenders that were on the park, um, she's playing at you know, one of, you know, it's her and Catley that are playing at the highest level. Um, so I think that's interesting going forward. Uh, second game and kind of late into the first game, but second game, yeah, she just just wanted to go for a walk, which was always concerning. Uh, but that's the way that Ellie plays. Um, she's a she's a very talented athlete, um, but sometimes, as you say, Neil, like you, you kind of got to get, be able to get up and back. But there's, there's that kind of point that you're making about it's, I think that Claire Wheeler is the answer to the question, but I think we kind of also have to pin down more what the question is uh, because I don't necessarily think it's just about having one defensive midfielder. I think it's also that we're a little bit lost in terms of the kind of style of football that we want to play. Um, the point of having the two wingbacks being able to get up is that they can always pin down the wingers further down the field. But if we've got three forwards pinning down, you know, a back four, for example, and then we're kind of pressing further and further forward. Like, um, do we want to play that kind of game or do we want to play this game that what it looks like is really that it's devolved into two sets of five players? Cause that's the kind of vibe that I got in the first half, uh, especially in the first game was just kind of like three players uh, at the front two two front midfielders. That was your five. And then the back five were just kind of like running around and hoping that nothing went wrong. Um and like I thought, as you guys said, that like in the first game, that there were there were some really bright moments. I think that attacking wise in the first game, um, I think we were quite good. But I think, as I said, before you kind of figure out what the question is, you have to figure out what the, uh, figure out what the answer is. You have to figure out what you're asking. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Claire Wheeler did get the tackle in the in the second game to win the ball for the equaliser. So. I, talking about unpopular opinions, which Neil mentioned one before, I don't know if it was or not. I think with Ellie, I don't know what the instructions were from Tony mm. and maybe people at the ground could actually see if Tony was losing his mind about what Ellie was doing or not. I don't know. He may have told her to play that kind of game and we're certainly not proposing that the Matildas sit back and, and just wait for the football to come to them. They sort of are a very attacking team. So I'm not sure. Um, oh, my own unpopular opinion is that Claire Wheeler is not the answer to our problems and she was on there for Oh, my 10. God. Oh, you're picking a fight there, Cheryl. Oh, what? I'm ejecting everyone from the room. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit I'm neutral. I'm flummoxed. This is incredible. That's, that's a very brave <laughs> opinion there, Cheryl. <laughs> Well, and, and I have some background to it as well, right? That she's she not from on, Victoria? Sorry, Karen. I think that's a fair point. Why not? That's, I mean, if we're talking about eligibility criteria, being from Victoria has got to be one of the highest ones. Speaking of which, an article came out from Teo Pelizzeri today talking about the Victorian exodus, the first time in quite a long time that Victoria has actually been able to export any players whatsoever because we were always just importing players. So absolutely happy to see that one there. But my point around Claire Wheeler was she was on the on the pitch for 
10 minutes or something thereabouts. And I, I think it's not fair to the players who are out there really working hard for 80 minutes mm. that, you know, she came on at a pivotal time. She made an excellent tackle. Don't get me wrong, but it was Steph Catley was involved. Kaya Simon was involved. There, were, there was more going on than just her. In addition to which, during the week we had a catch-up, there was a roundtable conversation with Tony Gustafsson. Chatham House rules, so I'm at liberty to not say much, anything really. But to be fair, he didn't call Claire Wheeler out as the solution to the, the challenges that the Matildas have as well. But one of the things that has been known is that more people need to defend more people need to make some of those tackles and, and getting around those contested balls as well. So maybe I'll just leave it there. I've, I've insulted enough people. I'm not saying she's not the solution. I just don't want to oversimplify what Dale was saying, what the problem is, and we need to really understand what that is. Moving on, because I don't want anyone else to, you know, have an opinion better than mine, but we've also got plenty to so get through. All I heard was Paige Zoyce for Matildas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl is Paige, that they Zoyce, no longer be heard. Victoria's own defensive midfielder. Got, I, gotcha. I think, yeah, let's add as many Victorians as we can. I, I like that this is sledging into ge geography now. Um, in other important news beyond that, the World Cup match schedule was announced during the week, last week. Now, just for people who aren't entirely sure what happens when FIFA re release the match schedule, you still don't know really what's going on. All you know is that um, Group A is going to play match one here, match two there, but you don't know who is, apart from New Zealand and Australia, because we know that they are A1 and B1, you don't know, or 1B and 1A, I'm not sure which way they call it, you don't still don't know who's playing what where. However, in saying that, for all the wonderful Melbournians out there, we will see the Matildas in their third group stage match, I think would be the way that it would work. They are going to play that one. So they play their first match in Sydney, their second match, I believe, is in Brisbane, and their third group stage match is in Melbourne. Any other thoughts from who wants to take a stab at this one about where you're getting your matches? Madge, you you worked it out pretty well. I think Brisbane's done all right and got a few matches up there. Yeah, I still think we should have gotten a semi-final, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, a good range of matches. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, who ends up in what groups um, because it would be great to sort of see, like, a, I think a Netherlands or something sort of get into a big stadium like um, like Suncorp or Brisbane Stadium, Brisbane Rectangular Stadium or whatever we're going to be calling it. Um, but yeah, so I think I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's a, a few round of 16, uh, the quarterfinal and the, and the third place game. So I think, um, I think generally people in Brisbane are, are fairly happy and I think rightly so. I mean, it, it's a fantastic stadium. It's, it's the biggest and best rectangular stadium, um, to sort of tick all of those boxes for FIFA, um, so yeah. I disagree yeah, with either of those statements, honestly. <laughs> best, definitely the best rectangular stadium in Australia. Yep. I went to Magic Round there oh, last okay. year and for the first time going there, I can completely understand why yep. I get so many events. There's there's not there's not a bad seat. It's what well, it's, it's just like it's just a bigger um Combank stadium basically. It's the same sort of maybe not quite as steep on the sides, but um but so I think everyone in Brisbane's pretty happy with our lot. Uh, 
What about your thoughts, Neil? It's always the Sydney siders that get whatever they want. It's like Christmas, give them all the presents, you know, whatever. But what about WA? You scored now from memory. Was it something like five matches? Yeah, five, um, five group games. Um, we've got a group B game, um, two group Ds, a group F and a group H. Um, the local commentary here was, again, it's very parochial, but, you know, why haven't we got the Matildas? Well, we don't have the Matildas because we don't have a rectangular stadium that's big enough. Um, and the logistics of shipping people to the West Coast from the East Coast where they're going to have the bulk of their games just meant that that was never going to happen. The disappointing thing, though, is that um, even with the the increased um, funding from the state government uh, to, to make some upgrades to to the rectangular stadium, as it's known on the on the FIFA World Cup schedule, but HBF Park, it's still not going to be big enough to get a quarterfinal. I think most people were hoping that we might get a quarterfinal. Um, but I think overall, five games, can't complain about that. Um, South Australia's only got four, so uh, we've done better there. Um, I mean, the big, the big hope would be, yes, you know, obviously we're not going to get um, the Matildas. We probably won't get the Americans or the Canadians, but it'd be lovely if we were to get the English or if they were to get through uh, the Italians. Um, You know, the big expat populations here would really mean that that would be great. Personally, I'd love to see an African group uh, team uh, team in the group because the colour that they bring, and we've got... Yeah. This is the beauty of Australia. You know, doesn't matter where you go in the country... Whoever pops into your town as a as a playing nation, there will be a group of supporters there, and you get an African team in there. It's going to go mental. Um, you know the the colour that they bring, uh, and the enthusiasm and the passion for the game. So, yeah, disappointing not to get a quarterfinal. Um, but hey, it's five games, and um, if we can get the right mix in there, I think we're going to have a crackerjack uh, tournament here in Perth. What about uh, you, um, Dale or Eric? Did you guys get any games in or around Sydney? Um, I haven't seen any news around the fixtures uh, with any games in Sydney, so I can't speak to the amount that we'll have. I, but <laughs> I, I completely agree with Neil. If Because I know that there's a big South African um, expat community in Perth. So, like, South Africa made it to the last World Cup. There's no reason that they can't make it to this one, um, especially with the increased number of teams that we're going to be um, seeing, um, obviously like, you know, it's, you kind of preaching to the choir asking what, um, Sydney siders think of the match for, I'm not going to cover that, but what I do find interesting is, um, the way that this has been done comparatively to the 2002 men's world cup, which as we know, was held in Korea and Japan. Um, so Korea, Japan was, uh, Korea was in a one and Japan was in H one. And then they split the difference, so A, B, C, and D were all in Korea and uh, E, F, G, and H were all in um, Japan. And I like that they've done this, uh, done fairly similar kind of thing with this draw um, with, you know, A, C, E, and H, uh, G in New Zealand and the remaining groups in Australia. Um, also love that all the Australian names, t- uh, countries or cities rather, are being referred to by their First Nations name, which I think is really progressive and really good news. Yeah, look, I'm I'm surprised that like Newcastle didn't get any games. Honestly, I know that they yeah, weren't um, 
Uh, I know that they weren't necessarily preferred as a host provider, host provider, God, work talk, um, host city, but like that, you know, again, another brilliant rectangular stadium. And um, in six or eight months time, when this new venue is completed in Sydney, I think, first of all, I think it will rival uh, Lang Park, as we like to call it, in terms of um, actual match day experience, will not rival the Caxton Street experience, unfortunately, for all concerned. The other thing for me is like Sydney's got the biggest, you know, rectangular non-MCG stadium in Australia. If we can fill that for the World Cup final, like it's just that's something that we're never, ever going to forget. So, yeah. That's a win. Yep. I need yeah, to get off my positive. high horse of Melbourne needing to have more, more, um, more games and whatnot here. I mean, it's about mm. the experience for, for the fans and for the players. Eric, can I put you on the spot for the moment and say, when are they doing the full draw? When will people, and this is what I remember with 2015 and 2019, it's like a bit different scenario because you didn't know which group Australia were in until they do that final draw. But for all the fans who are, coming from overseas and whatnot, when will they find out when, where, which group they're going to be in, where they're going to play? Yeah, I think they'd have to wait for all or at the very least most of the qualifiers to be done to do the full draw. I'm just... Is it will be roughly December? Yeah, December, December the year before the tournament seems to yeah, be... Yeah, it was the 8th of December time. last time. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. Um, all right, let's move along because we've already burnt up quite a bit of time and we've got a lot of content to go through, a couple of announcements more than discussion points unless you want to talk about them. So awards season is amongst us right now. BBC Women's Footballer of the Year, Viviana Miedema, took that one out. I don't know if that's much of a surprise. It's less of a the best in the world, but more the best in the FAWSL. Is that the way we're feeling it right now? Yeah, I yeah, think that's a yeah. fair yep. reflection. And also we had the Ballon d'Or with the final four included. Sorry, I've not got them all listed down there, but the final four did include Sam Kerr. She placed third in those awards with the overall award going to Alexia Patelius, um, who won and a very deserving winner, I think, as well. Her football has been electric and love to see it. So congratulations to Sam for getting that far. I'm not sure. I mean, she had a good season. I just... I don't know. Sometimes I sit there and I watch the Matildas matches and then I watch the Chelsea matches and I'm just, yeah, it just seems to be a little bit different. Anyway, let's talk about dub. Who wants to kick us off in terms of the dub? We had Wellington started off their very first match ever. Can I throw to you, Eric, because I feel like you're, well, you were our Western Sydney Wanderers guy who loved everything about them. I, I feel like you've fallen out <laughs> of love That's a little a, bit. Oh my goodness! Um, oh gosh, untruths. Wow, okay, just untruths. <laughs> just a, um, but don't uh, don't be fooled by my body art. Anyway, so um, I was because I made the correct decision to go to Canberra instead of Wollongong. I only, I've only watched the mini match, but I was keeping track. Of, had a chat to a couple of. Uh, trusted people including beyond 90 people and the general commentary is that basically everyone's underestimated wellington we might need to revise our wooden spoon predictions so uh they looked like they looked like they're aggressive tried to play an up-tempo game they'll surprise a few teams and on the other hand wanderers looked a bit passive keen to see because i'm actually going up to the hunter valley on friday to watch uh newcastle versus wellington their right back Zoe McMeekin is like one of those, you know, the stereotypical athletic uh, fullback, fullbacks that can run all day. And like a literal athlete, she's, I know she's also competed nationally in javelin 
triple jump and heptathlon. So, and uh, if I could make a video game reference, she's tall with those long limbs. It's like um, playing against Dalsim in Street Fighter. It just looks incredibly awkward for anyone else. She just uses her long arms and legs to get in the way and uh, mm. wrestle the ball back. So I'm uh, keen to see more of that. Uh, from the Wanderers' perspective, I'm glad that people outside NPL New South Wales circles are discovering the runaway freight train that is Sheridan Gallagher because uh, she just, it was basically more of the same, got the ball, pinned the ears back, headed straight for the goal and tried to demolish anything in her path. And uh, uh, Sheridan nearly scored in the first half uh, off an excellent pass from Bianca Galich. And uh, my other comment was uh, from viewing Kelly's excellent photo gallery, which you can see on the Beyond 90 website, the game looked like a proper battle and it looked like the two teams absolutely hate each other, which is what I like to see. Very nice. Um, and two female or two women coaches on yes. that one as well, which mm. I know that we've got four out of all the coaches so far this season, but head to head, that was a good one. Um, Eric, feel like we should stay with you just for a little bit, but maybe you can um, swing around with Dale as well to talk about Canberra versus Melbourne yes. City, given that Tori Tumuth didn't get on the pitch at all, did she? Or That's I fine. I'll cover that on. off in a minute. That is perfectly fine. So... Um... Mm, Stefan seems reticent to join the pod for anything other than NPL capital football and Nordic stuff, which is dangerous when Canberra playing Melbourne city, but okay. But anyway, I did see him as well as uh, Angela Christian Wilkes, the undisputed star of the far post pods groups, our beloved groups and Catherine Ilioski, Emma's mom, just briefly, you got playing returns for Ash Sykes, Carly Rusback and Rebecca Stott. Great to see her get through 60 minutes. Oh, by the way, Carly's here until January the 7th. Uh, so that's a short-term deal. Uh, Grace Mar was at centre-back. I'd like to hear the rest of your thoughts on that. No, Can- you wouldn't. They're bad. Okay, okay. Um, then I'd definitely <laughs> like to hear your thoughts on that. But uh, Canberra dominated the first half but couldn't score. Then City turned it around in the second half. Did look like there was a nice personal battle between Keely Richards and Hannah Wilkinson, with Richards making a number of saves. Uh, Ms. Melissa Barbieri never stopped yelling instructions, which was fantastic. And then, as befits my New South Wales heart, Holly McNamara scored a worldie on her debut to settle at 10 minutes of time. And the goal, immediately followed by the greatest double substitution in Australian football history, Tory Toomuth and Darcy Malone coming on at the same time. Uh, <laughs> City held on for the win. And uh, this is funny, after the game, I actually kind of had a set a brief hello to Darcy. And her question was, first question was, what are you doing here? Um, but yes, or am I just like she was surprised that Stalking. I would um, travel down from Canberra. Dale, I'm assuming you were at the match as well, but I didn't hear your name thrown out there. No, I, I missed this one. I didn't get down to, to Canberra for this one, unfortunately. Uh, I have a life in Sydney. Um, well, maybe you did go to the Sydney game then if you want I to I did go to the Sydney game. We, we, did get, we did get to the Sydney game. Look, mm-hmm. I, I think Eric summed it up really well. Canberra, I think they, they played really well in, in the first half. Legitimately could not hit the side of a barn mm-hmm. they like ash sykes had an effort from about six feet away from the goal and spooned it over and i was just like this is not going to happen tonight it's round and, one round one's rusty yeah that, that, and, that, and also she hasn't impression. yeah yeah it, she it, hasn't it played a lot either one. and i think that that uh canberra obviously having a bit of success last year the majority of the players have stayed um and uh, and or have been there long term and i think that that second half they just kind of dropped their heads city got the better of them physically and just like especially with the way that McNamara scored 
and the fact that it was relatively late on, I didn't really expect Canberra to get back into the game at that point. But in saying that, I think there's a lot to like about it. Um, Grace Maher at centre-back is not that. Um, mm-hmm. I never want to see that again. Um, just completely, mm-hmm. I think the loss of her as a midfield playmaker is completely is completely above and beyond the gains that you get from any potential mm-hmm. um, wins yes. at centre-back. Yes. Um, and I, I, like, I, honestly, I would have preferred to see Canberra play like a three at the back and play five in midfield or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think that you've got to have Ma further up the pitch. I know that they don't have um, Garlic this year. Um, Flannery's obviously still out with the knee injury. So they are a little light on numbers, but at the same time, I just... Like I can understand, it's the same kind of thing with the Ellie Carpenter thing. I can understand why they did it. I don't like it. Um, please don't do it again. What about your thoughts on Sydney FC versus Newcastle United Jets? As speaking Eric of, was so delicate. Of, yeah, speaking of first round games, um, I was actually kind of impressed by Newcastle. They, the goals that they conceded, were like one was from a set piece. Seamson beat the keeper to the ball for the first goal. Vine scored a lucky goal. Lucky she was in the right place at the right time. I think Claire Coelho had one of the best games as a goalkeeper we're going to see all year. I think she was fantastic. The The biggest thing that you won't be able to tell on the match report is the fact that it was it was blowing a, like a 40-mile-an-hour breeze uh, suddenly at, at Cogra to the point where both keepers, who are the two biggest kickers in the league, couldn't get the ball past the centre circle when they were kicking the ball into the wind. Um, so they were basically starting with a 20-metre handicap in terms of attacks. I think Courtney Vine was a fairly uh, fairly reasonable player of the match, but in saying that, um, I was, as I said, I was really impressed with impressed with Quelo. I think um, who, Eric, you were there, the player that went off for for Newcastle. Was went off or sent off? Uh, oh well, Tanajaba was sent off, so that was not great um, for yeah. the silliest yellow card you'll ever see. Yes, um, but Newcastle did have a player come off in. I think there was about half an hour into the first oh, half. Oh, yes, uh, Bethany Gordon. So that was her Beth Jets Gordon. Debut. That's right. So and, um, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. There's some news around that in the coming days. But it yeah. is. Uh, Ash Wilson actually said after the game, it's the medial ligament, which I think you were telling me off my, that's the least serious, severe. Yeah, of the MCL ones. is, is the, like yeah, MCL is the one that like? you would want to, yeah. yeah well, if you're going to do a knee injury, you're probably going to want to do your MCL because yeah. it's there's a lot more yes. that you can do to support that section of the knee. Yeah, I see. Okay. Still wouldn't um, recommend it. Oh, absolutely not. There was, uh, yeah, so Sydney FC goals for each of their front three, which, I mean, they'll all love. Very promising Sydney FC debut for Sarah Hunter. I did not expect her to start. She um, assisted Vine's goal with a neat flick from the corner. And as you pointed out, Dale, the press box was bizarrely wearing long sleeves, which just, okay. I also like to see an A-League women debut for former junior Matilda Carly Johnson. That was nice. And then speaking of debuts for the Jets, Loved seeing Kirsty Fenton make her A-League women debut from the start of the game. She's been excellent for the Jets Academy over the last two years. Was kind of out of position at left back, but did great. Um, pulled off some beautifully timed tackles. And a uh, fun fact, Kirsty Fenton made her NPL first grade debut when she was 13 years old. Uh, Lauren Allen, another player I'm a big fan of. She Nice goal from, for the Jets with her typical hustle. And that's pretty much it, I think. I didn't have any other major thoughts on the game. I'm going to leave it to Neil and probably Madge just to mm. take it away for their discussion around Perth Glory versus Brisbane Raw. Take it away. 
Wow, um, what a game. Yes. Yeah, you go first, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just going to be sad moaning over here. Um, no, but actually a lot of really good things to take away for the Raw. Um, I, I guess I had some question marks about um, – their chemistry and and I was actually I was pleasantly surprised with their they've obviously been um, training and drilling pretty well so I, I was quite impressed with the connections they were making in, in a pretty frantic first half so I'm sure Neil's probably got some thoughts on um, the way the ball was peeing around in that first half but um was really impressed with uh with I thought Norrie would be a really important player for for the Raw this season she was great in midfield um sort of really controlling the show there and um i'm i'm really just really happy for anna mcgrath um, getting her uh her debut uh goal for uh in in the top flight in the uh, a-league women's or, or in w-league career because she she had she did have a howler like back when she was a, a few seasons ago that was one of those how did you miss that goal so it's really great to see her be able to get that little tap in um, and you could tell that she was really happy at halftime as well, um, getting getting on the scoreboard there. Yeah, actually, it was taken away from her initially. The on-ground... Oh, right. Don't take it away from us. No, <laughs> the on-ground announcer um, gave it to Jesse Rasha, um, so there was a bit of confusion initially. But, yeah, um, look, I, you're absolutely right. First half was just mental. Um, what was great, being the first game that's ever been played at uh, Sterling Macedonia, the crowd that turned out, um, a 7pm kickoff in Perth. It was a beautiful evening. Um, they had a thousand through the gate, which they haven't had in ages. Uh, so that was great. And I think that that's a real sign of what's happening with the league now with the marketing that's coming on from uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, they plugged it a lot. Um, the local press here, there's only one newspaper in WA, that's the, the West Australian. They last season decided to start giving football a bit more coverage and that's proving to have dividends and Channel 10 locally as well ran a great feature on the, on the W League, um, I keep saying that, on the A-League women um, on Tuesday. And I think all of that promotion helped to get the crowd through the ground because definitely last season's performance, it wouldn't have, you wouldn't have expected that. Um, Perth, it was a strange one. I think they came out absolutely red hot. Um, the first 10 minutes, you couldn't catch your breath. Um, Devanna on the left and Gemma Crane through the middle were an absolute nightmare for the for the centre backs. Um, didn't give anybody on the ball a chance to rest, but that was it. That it was just huff and puff. And once the goal went in, Brisbane really got the foot on the ball. And and you're right, Madge. I think that uh, Norrie's growth during the game became more and more evident. Um, and her and Hecker just getting off the, the the clever balls back from Crummer. Crummer was superb. Um, I thought. You know, the, that was a big difference between the two teams. When Perth went forward, they kept going forward. There was no check back, go out and go the other side. It just ran on until they ran out of pitch. Whereas Brisbane were much more methodical. If it wasn't going to go, they were going to hold it back, knock it around. And the midfield of Brisbane completely dominated Perth. Um, the, um, the Danish player who's only just come in um, and out of quarantine, she didn't even get a... a uh, a look on the bench, uh, Mileth Jans. I think she's going to be a big player, I think, for them because they do need somebody to put their foot on the ball. Hannah Lowry was very, very disappointing. Um, she was hardly in the game at all um, and seemed to not really know where she should be playing. And it has to be said, they were incredibly fortunate. Um, the two goals came about because 
they basically refused to give up, especially Gemma Crane. Uh, she put them under pressure to win the ball back and then just kept going on in the 88th minute and then out of nowhere, Fon Songham managed to squeeze it in and then the second goal was just a nightmare for for poor old Georgie Worth and goals. Um, but again, it came about from the pressure that was applied. Um, and a big shout out to Morgan Aquino in goal. She kept a minute. And Kim Carroll. There are not many better centre-backs in the country, I don't think. Um, um, you know, we have the pleasure of seeing her week in, week out, playing at Northern Redbacks. And she's just absolutely superb. She's on the top of the game and she was never caught out. She had a hands full with uh, with Crummer, but she had a great game and and definitely Morgan Aquino for Perth was a player of the match. Yeah, Morgan was absolutely player of the match. So we we saw her um, pulling out some of those saves for us last season. Um, so it's it's you know from a personal point of view, it's great to see Morgan kick on and and hopefully secure that that number one keeper spot in in Perth. Um, probably the other point there around the midfield is like I think it was actually one of those. One, points where I think when Gori came on she she maybe was a little bit rusty and I think um, there were a few balls that, that sort of went went a bit awry or some attacking passes that didn't come off and sort of that let that enthusiasm of Perth get back into the game as well so a little bit of that yeah hoping the Raw can maybe be a little bit more mature with that game management at the end of the game uh, the Perth crowd were up and about and maybe they just also let that get to them a little bit as well so I just really hope that Georgie Worth can also um, bounce back because um, we did see a lot of recycling through the keeper. So it's obviously going to be a, a big part of the Roar's uh, approach this season to sort of keep going back to the keeper and work work out from the back. So it's um, it's it's something that you definitely don't want Georgie uh, sort of losing confidence in sort of playing the ball at her feet. So, um, but some, yeah, really good signs for both teams, I think, actually. So, uh It'll be interesting to see how they both kick on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Alex did allude to it. He he felt they were fortunate uh, at the end of the game, but he said it was a typical round one game and it is a start. Um, but a big shout out to Katrina Gori. I mean, the word on the street was that she was a very, very late replacement. Um, like she flew out that day. Yeah, we um, weren't expecting her to, no. to suit up. Yeah, Not quite sure what happened, but somebody couldn't make it and she got the late call to come in. And then, you know, three months after giving birth, it was it was an amazing achievement. So uh, I'm going to get an early shout in for a Queen of the Week. She'll get that one for me. Oh, nice work. I, I like an early shout for a Queen of the Week. Madge, just on your point as well around game management, I, I think that's something that Adelaide United probably have suffered from for so many seasons, they've been almost there, almost there, but just not quite there. So really good shout out. Talking about the last um, match of the round, which was between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United, it probably wasn't game management this time around for them. They actually had a, a hefty loss at the hands of last season's champions. Melbourne Victory actually did a pretty good job in my mind Um Big loss for them at the moment. Kayla Morrison went down with a knee injury. I don't know if anyone's seen anything on social so far, but um, that is definitely a big loss for them. Their captain, uh, oh, so strong and oh, so sad to see her not there at the moment. But Leah Privatelli scored a brace for them. I think she played pretty well. I think Leah has got some great 
pace. She was in the right spot. Adelaide probably didn't do the right things. Kayla Morrison was lucky enough to get a goal. That was great. Claudia Bunge also got a goal. So a couple of defenders getting one. And then Catherine Zimmerman, who we had on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago, was able to score as well. So a 5-1 victory for Melbourne victory over Adelaide United. Fiona Wurtz was able to score for Adelaide United. Puts them at the bottom of the ladder with Melbourne victory at the top of the ladder. Let's just stop the season now. That would be my shout out. Um, (laughs) But all our best thoughts go out to Kayla Ann Morrison and anyone else who may have been injured in that opening match of the season. I think it was a pretty good round one. Dale, this is your opportunity to tell us all about the FA Cup final. I'm hoping, I'm looking at your eyes and trying to work out if you look tired. Did you watch that match? I look tired all the time, sure. Uh, that's that's par for the course. Um, I I've only I didn't watch it live. I only caught the the, the replay. But um, as we well, know, hang on, hold that thought. Did anyone? I was going to say. Live? I'm fairly okay. sure. Did Eric okay. watch it live? No. I no. edited Ben's article, so that's so, and therefore that's I like know live. what happened. But yeah, so that that's what I'm offering. Like I didn't watch. I've got one comment. Kerr nutmeg goal. Yeah. Oh, yes, that was in the report. Oh, man. Lotto Wobben Moy, you hate to get retired at Wembley. Tough, tough scene. Uh, as we know, Chelsea got a win 3 0 over the Arsenal uh, in front of over 40,000 at the new Wembley. Um, just great to see uh, uh, from basically from what I, uh, I saw. Um, oh, look, I'll be honest with you, Arsenal weren't really in the game. Um, Chelsea just looked like they were a far superior team which is kind of surprising because when it comes to the league, they've been fairly even this season. Um, but I think it was more of a case that, uh, you know, um, Chelsea have that pretty incredible front three or four, uh, harder Kirby, Kerr. Uh, you've got Fleming slightly in behind. Uh, and then they've got a fairly uh, impregnable backline. I, I described this to game to my partner as uh, specifically regarding like, uh, players like Miedemar and Ford and, and and players like that as being kind of the immovable object meets the unstoppable force. Um, and in this case, I think the insto- unstoppable force really just t- went straight through the object. Um, but yeah, I, as we said, Kerr with best on ground performance. Um, first Australian to score at Wembley in a cup final since, I don't know. And, and I think from when I saw the highlights. BC. She, she was she, she was fantastic though. Yeah. She was all over the place. She could have had a first half hat trick. So she oh, I saw that as well. Spots as well. <laughs> yeah, like there was one. The first, I think it was her first shot. She was one on one with a keeper, and she's very clearly tried to turn her hips out and and hit the side of the ball into the closest corner, and she's just fluffed it, which you know happens. But it was just kind of weird seeing her miss. Um, it's she's been all over those kind of goals all season against you know all kinds of opposition and for her to kind of fluff her lines like that was really kind of foreign um but then as you said like the the goal that she scored early on in the first half uh, in the second half was just you know class properly class finish and then the chip over zinsberger i mean the matilda's uh instagram admin really did steph catley dirty because the photo that they put up oh you really hate to see it, but phenomenal finish. And the composure to score like that is like, I know that she didn't win the Ballon d'Or, but it's just incredible to think that she is, she is world-class. That was a properly world-class finish. I thought that was a super goal actually. And something that we yeah. don't see in Sam Kerr enough in the Matildas and, and we've talked about the midfield and whatnot and there, you know, she needs to be supported in a better way, but yeah, that one was class. 
very, very dirty that she was um, doing that to Steph Catley, but it is what it is. And, and then she went off and finished it and made, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, and after having come off a knock as well, because she looked very uncomfortable after Kerr's goal. Um, after Kirby's goal, rather. She looked quite uncomfortable. She looked a little bit hobbled, took a little bit of time to get back into the match. And there was a comment when she missed that first opportunity that the, the commentator said, oh, you'd think that a fully fit Sam Kerr would score that. Well, I mean, she would. And she then went on to score two absolute pearlers. So put that in your pipe. And uh, another Australian connection in that Chelsea win as well was the assistant coach, Tanya Oxterby. Yeah, Tanya Oxterby, which is great. It's fantastic. Um, You know, had her trials and tribulations towards the back end of Bristol City, but yeah, taking an early mark out from uh, maternity leave and doing absolute gangbusters at Chelsea. Mm. Her her um her post I think it was on social media was quite nice about uh you know people saying that you'd get there eventually and now she's there so I think it's it's obviously quite bittersweet with what happened at Bristol City you know it's it's not that long ago that she had COVID as well so you know big shout out to her not necessarily my queen of the week but uh um a big shout out an honourable mention. Oh, very nice. Um, in other news in football, we had the Continental Cup. Sounds like it was old news now, but Aston Villa was 7-0 victors over Sunderland. Uh, Emily Gilnick. I don't know how much. It was that long ago. Uh, I can't remember if uh, Emily Gilnick played a part. For yep. first 45 minutes. Okay, there you go. In the FAWSL, no matches this past weekend, obviously, because we've just had the FA Cup from last year. There's another one coming. Don't worry about the next round commences on the 11th of December, which by my mind would be Saturday. Just before we go, there was a big game in Scotland uh, on the weekend. Oh, the yeah, I just sort of my Scottish League Cup. Yeah, and Jacinta Galabatarachi um, on the winning team. So the Celtic women beat Glasgow, Ooh. Glasgow City, I think. Mm. And Glasgow yep, City, nice. uh, Glasgow City are a female-only club um, playing in Champions League as well, mm. with a rented ground. There you go. But Jacinta, yeah, she was part of the winning team for Celtic. Well, we'll, well get a winner either way, I think, because yeah, we have Celtics, Aoife Colville. Celtics what do you mean we? Because Aoife Colville plays for Ireland. Yeah, we can't have her. Yeah. Not anymore. She's I'm, off. I'm she also going to claim ex-Brisbane Raw um, Live Chance, New Zealand international, mm-hmm. playing for Celtic yes, as well. Yes, good shout. That's we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All of these people pull it, splitting hairs. But anyway, in France, Mary Fellers, Mont- Montpellier had a nil draw against Paris in Lyon, um, or not in Lyon, but Lyon de- defeated Fleury 4 0. Ellie probably wasn't there. That wasn't no, a while She ago. played first. Really? No, did she? Ellie played first off. Okay. There you go. Eric's done all his homework, and I have not. <laughs> In Italy, in Lazio, we still have Ella Mastrantonio there. They had a 1-0 victory over Hellas. Fiorentina had a 3-1 victory over Pomigliano, which is where Ivy Lewick is still playing. So, yeah, a bit of a mid-table space for Pomigliano. Lazio on the bottom of the ladder. And I think, um, Neil, you gave us some news on Lazio as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit old, but um, I've, I've been in contact with uh, with Ella um, and being a Perth girl, you know, keep, keep a close eye on, on what she's up to. But um, she was telling me that uh, things are going very, very badly wrong at uh, Lazio. And in October, um, Carolina Maracci and uh, Nicola Williams were both uh, 
shown the door. Uh, so a new coach has come in, but players have left, six players have left already, one of whom is Izzy Folletta. Ah. Um, and she has gone to Brisbane, and that's been confirmed. She is at Brisbane. There you go. A little present for Eric. Make him happy. All right, and then the last match that we'll talk about at the moment in the Netherlands, PSV, where Amy Harrison plays, had a 1-0 victory over Feyenoord doing my best to pronounce things as much as possible. I have not done my homework for Queens of the Week. Eric, take it away and then throw to whoever you want because it doesn't look like anyone else has done their homework either. Uh, I always do my homework so I can pick multiple Queens of the Week. So I won't take up too much of your time. One, uh, going back to the nation's capital, capital, Holly Caspers made her A-League women debut for Canberra United. It's a great comeback story two years after she suffered an ACL injury at the World Uni Games in 2019. Lovely to see that she had her own personal fan club with signs. And uh, they call her Greyhound in honor of uh, Holly's blinding speed. I'll definitely be using that in commentary. And two, Courtney Vine made a triumphant return, you know, from a knee injury, which caused her to miss last season's dub finals and the entire NPL New South Wales season. We've covered it, scored a goal, set up two more. And I will be starting a Vine for Matilda's campaign. And number three, I tried. I try not to repeat Queens of the Week, but I couldn't avoid this. Denise O'Sullivan scored a hat-trick in the Republic of Ireland's 11-0 win over Georgia, her first career hat-trick. So she's a queen of all time for me. So Ireland second in their World Cup qualifying group and on track to participate in the world's most convoluted playoff system. Look it up yourself, but take a couple of headache tablets before you do so. Who are you throwing to, Eric? Neil, you pick Katrina Gorey. Yeah, I did. And um, yeah, um, a big shout out for her, you know, just yeah. so soon after coming back from from giving birth and jumping on a plane and flying over at short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in the same game, um, uh, there was a lot of substitutions going on, but one in particular, you take the oldest Perth Glory player off in Lisa Devanna and you put on the youngest player in your squad in uh, Poppy Hooks to make her debut um, remarkable story from Poppy. She was uh, at 14. She was the under 23s uh, equivalent of NPL Player of the Year. Uh, didn't go through the NTC system, has come up all by herself and has been uh, a phenomenal player for Murdoch Uni Melville uh, for a good couple of seasons now. I know Alex has got huge wraps on her. She would not have been given a run at glory. Um, until we had the injury um, to one of the players. So she's coming on that. And also, um, I think, a, a slight mention for Morgan Aquino coming back um, the way she did. Well, I'm, I'm going to stay with the same game and I'm going to give my Queen of the Week to Anna Margraf for uh, getting her debut goal, which was bloody brilliant in her words. So, um, so yeah, big shout-out to her. And I think also just a, a big shout-out to, to um, Gemma Lewis and the, and the Wellington Phoenix. I, I just think it was great that they, they came out uh, and defied expectations and to really um, put in a great performance to pick up points in their very first game. Uh, I also have two Queens of the Week. Um, well, in on sense of the word. Uh, first of all, I'm going to head overseas. Uh, my Queen of the Week is Ellen White, who surpassed Kelly Smith to become England's greatest goal scorer of wow. all time in the women's game. That's uh, in the 20-0 win over Latvia. Um, there is a lot of talk about that. Um, this week. Uh, also, shout out to the England staff who had to give away four match balls for hat tricks. And uh, my king of the week is is Alex Aparkas for two reasons. Obviously, uh, Perth got the win. Good to see the Perth Perth get a dub after last week uh, after last year rather. 
Um, but also for wearing white pants, uh, it takes a brave man to wear a white wear white pants on a grass surface. Uh, so he gets my king of the week. Very nice. I, I had noticed that myself. Anyway, queens of the week from me. I haven't got any homework done, but I'll, you'd have to say Sam Kerr for starters. I mean, we kind of expect big things from Sam, but if she were just a regular player scoring two goals in the FA Cup final, I, I think it earn anyone that title so big shout out to Sam Kerr and also a shout out for maybe sharing the love and being comfortable in who you are and talking about your girlfriend on on all those channels I think that's really important just normalizing it and making it okay for any um, fans young or old to see Mm. that it's all okay and you can be very happy so shout out to her I spend some only a small amount of time on TikTok and there's plenty of love dedicated to to Sam on there I did enjoy um, uh, Sam uh, Kirsty Mills putting up a, a, a selfie and lots of people tagging Sam in the comments and then her replying, thanks, guys, I wouldn't have seen this otherwise. <laughs> I like that one. Good on you, Sam. Um, also, uh, Queen of the Week, uh, shout out to Kayla Morrison, like we said. Hope you're okay. Hopefully you get some good news on that and keeping the love in the Melbourne and victory space. Shout out in advance, Queen of the Week in advance to Lynn Williams, who has signed with Melbourne Victory. We didn't go through any of our squad updates. I think Lynn Williams is there until January 7th, January 9th. Yeah, January 7th it is. So I think that's exciting. I, I remember when she played for the Wanderers and it was really exciting to see her there. And I hope that she'll slot in quite nicely in Melbourne for Melbourne victory. Just a, uh, just perfect timing to get two games against the Raw. Well, I, you know, <laughs> it, it works well, Madge. What are you saying? I'm not sure. I, it's a shame she doesn't play against the Wanderers. That would have been hilarious. But oh well. Oh, I can't yeah, get everything I want. Wouldn't be wouldn't be the first time. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Oh, on sorry, the Cheryl. Podcast. Can I just... Uh, you just remind me of a Joker of the Week. Since uh, and my Joker of the week is the entire a-league women's competition since our last pod there have been 23 players announced in one form or another and from uh, myself and ben laws who runs uh the wonderful she plays website thanks for nothing yeah good call out uh shout out to to ben and she plays as well i know that there's a a mini league out there if you wanted to join the beyond 90 mini league we'll try and add if eric's doing the show notes right now maybe eric will add a link in there for how to join i've given up i think i was that bad i I couldn't do any worse maybe if i can't do any worse i should have stuck with it but thank you all for joining us on the podcast great to talk about football with you and and hopefully all of our listeners have enjoyed that if you liked it give us a shout out Uh, make sure you subscribe or just keep listening when we're on Joy Radio and beyond. So on behalf of all of the team at Beyond 90, thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. A game of two halves. Not particularly pleased with the second half. Um, So we started well. I thought the first half was good. Um, we didn't come out with the same intensity. They picked up their intensity and played a little bit better and we didn't deal with that. Uh, you know, we need to control the ball a little bit more. We weren't able to do that. Um, and then we copped a goal that, you know, they'd been working towards to be fair, but maybe a little bit disappointing how we copped the goal. Um, hard to take a loss. It was probably effort worthy of at least a draw and based on the the whole 90 minutes. Um, So it's kind of a little bit hard. Um, First game up, we came in a little bit underdone. So I said to the players, like, 
can't fault their effort um, and what they put in. Um, so really pleased with that. I love that Sykes is here. I think it's great. Um, so she's obviously coming in a little bit underdone physically. Um, so it was tough. It was tough for our, our, our front line. So it was good to have those replacements. And I thought Haley and Holly came on and, and did a really good job. And, and then Lex just at the end to relieve um, pressure off Sykes. Um, so it's really exciting. There's a lot of positives to take out of the game. At the moment, I think we'd, we'd be disappointed with that loss. Um, but there's still a lot of things, a lot of positives to take out of it and definitely good things that we can build, build on. Yeah, just to solidify the back line, she's actually played centre-back um, for the young Matildas. So it's not a position she hasn't played. Um, and, and she's left-footed. So it was just trying to utilise her um, and, yeah, have a really strong back line and trying to get our best 11 players on the field. Yeah, uh, personally, I, that's just so wonderful to see, um, I think, from football in general. But, yeah, I still have a, you know, still check in with her every now and then. So, yeah, that, that's wonderful, good for her. She got 60 minutes, which um, was probably a surprise. She doesn't have a lot of... Um, she obviously hasn't built up to full full fitness yet, but just to see her play, she's been so courageous, so inspirational um, just and so positive in her fight over cancer and just to see her in remission and back playing at this level. Um, she's got more in her. She's a wonderful person and a great footballer. Someone I would always have in my team. I mean, this is the first time I've coached Carly. Um, obviously seen her play, first time I've coached her. She just came in off the Matildas camp, so she's only been with us a couple of days. So um, look forward to seeing her play some more and over the next few weeks. Yeah, it was so nice. Obviously 30 minutes, that's the most that I've done in a while. So. Just to get out there and get the legs ticking over again and to be in an actual game, it feels so nice. Just refreshing, to be honest. Yeah, obviously, I think the first half the girls did really well. We went out there, we created a few chances, probably should have put some away. Second half, got all credit to them, to be honest. They came out, I think, a lot harder than us. Um, I think we were a little bit tired in the legs and, and gave them too much time and too much space, maybe a bit too much respect. So... We're going to take what we can and learn from this game and move on into the next one. Yeah, it's so nice. I love being back home. You know, I'm such a homebody, so it's really nice to be home and to be back in front of the fans again. It's unreal. I've, I've really missed it. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't say it was a while. It was actually a pretty quick and rushed decision. It happened over a couple of weeks. I had been thinking about it for quite some time and had been in with Vicky, you know, because we, um, we have off-season now in Norway, so it was the perfect amount of time to come back and get some games in and, and play with the girls. So it was pretty quick with how it all happened, but thinking-wise, I had thought about it for a little while. Yeah, so I'm only signed as a guest player, so my club, yeah, I have to go head back to my club in January. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've missed this whole year playing. I haven't played a 90-minute game in a year, so I think this was the perfect time to come back and also play with the girls and play with Vicky. I've heard really great things about her from a few of the girls, so... I, it was just, it was a really easy decision for me. I really wanted game time and um, yeah, to come back and play here, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think it's really exciting to see Ash put on the boots again. I mean, I always thought that she retired a little bit too soon, so <laughs> it's great to see her back out there and all credit to her. She's, she did really well today, so I'm really, I'm really proud of her. Yeah, well, I've played with Emma and Loz um, for quite a while now. Obviously, Ali, this is my, I've only, only came in on Wednesday, so I've only had a couple of sessions with her. So. You know, it's, it does take time to gel with players and really get to know them. So I think 
we're, we're going to work on it and we're definitely going to build on it. But she had a really great game today, I thought, and I think that we can definitely build on from here. First half was a little worrying because we didn't capitalise on our chances. But yeah, I was really happy. The intensity was phenomenal. Um, they played for each other big time and to get three goals is nice. And of course, we have to talk about Courtney Vine. So Courtney Vine, she's missed the whole NPL season. She's come back. It's like she never missed any time at all. Yeah, so. she'd be, she would have been buzzing to play, which is great. Um, and she was, she killed it last year up until her injury, so it was a bit of a, a blow. But yeah, I think she's fresh now. She was excellent today again. And, and so, um, you mentioned the first half, which I thought you were, you were good in the like, first 20 minutes, and the Jets kind of got back into it. Did you feel like you needed to change anything at halftime? No, not at halftime. We knew what we were doing wrong. They were count, uh, countering from our bad passes, so we shored that up a little bit. And then uh, we were just patient in terms of finishing instead of being, uh, you know, uh, psychologically hurt from that, but we, yeah, we just kept going. Yeah, and um, of course, it's not just the, the players that played, you've also got Pete uh, Satchel and Cote Rojas this season, so it's just about, I just want to, you know, kind of create that competition, I suppose? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult, to be honest, so I was feeling good up until that question, so uh, now I don't know, yeah, they're coming back next week, so it's going to be tough to fit them in the squad after having a great performance today. Yeah, you got a debut for... Yeah, good, good. Thanks. And we got a debut for Carly Johnson as well near the end. She's kind of a lesser-known player, but what was it about Carly that made you want to uh, give her a scholarship here? Uh, she's like Vine, but just a bit uh, bigger and stronger. Um, same pace, goes direct. Uh, she's only young. So I saw her years ago when she was 14 at Manly, um, and I knew then she'd make it somewhere, so she did well. Yeah. And I'm happy she got her debut. Yeah. Oh, so Courtney, I mean, how was that? One goal, two assists, great way to start the season. Yeah, definitely a great way to start the season. Um, the girls played amazing, I can't ask for much more. Um, yeah, I'm just looking for the season ahead. It's, yeah, it's amazing to play with these girls and the quality just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, and of course, you, unfortunately, you missed the whole NBL season. It's, not been, it's been yeah. a tough year for you in many ways. Was it hard to get, get back to this level? Um, no, I think uh, it worked out well for me, to be honest, like with the COVID situation. Um, gave me a bit extra time to get my knee right and... Yeah, it's obviously paid off. Uh, I feel like I'm in a good place with it now, and yeah. yeah. Of course, the three of you, you, Grinny and Remy, it's just like last season. Like It's almost like you play for the same, same yeah. NPL club. So <laughs> yeah. what, what does that feel like just to be on that kind of a front three? Yeah, no, it, it's amazing to play with those two girls. We we all just know what each other, like what, what um, wavelength each one's on. and Yeah, it's just, it's just so great. And um, oh, yeah, it feels like I play with them all year round, to be honest, when I come back here. So I love playing with them, and I can't wait to keep playing with them. Yeah, and... And of course, uh, you used to play for Newcastle. Is it is it different playing against a club you play for? Um, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I never had bad feelings when I leave a club, and um, I love all those Newcastle Jets girls. I I experienced a lot with them, so yeah, I never feel bad versing them. Um, it's always very neutral on the field. Yeah. Of course, there's been like uh, four Matildas games here recently. Is that something you think about as a youth as a former youth international? Yeah, obviously, it's always in the back of your head to try and make that Matilda squad. But at the end of the day, it's Tony's decision. Um, I can only control what I can control. A little bit. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, well, I think we're a little bit of a victim of our own self. We were defending our own mistakes, uh, and that's not that's not good enough. And, and you can see a team like Sydney, you know, they they'll take their first game. You know, that there, there won't be any any nerves, anything like that. They they'll go out and they'll, they'll dominate. And I think you know, perhaps in the the moment where we sort of turned it or lost that that first goal, there was a there was a really a patch where it was just not controlled it was just not organized and I think there was a little bit of panic stations um, and then that led to a second goal so um, yeah look I, I think in, in in key moments we weren't 
good enough, uh, and, and that's something for us to build on. Backbone of knee injury? What, what's this situation? Yeah, possible medial. So we're just looking at medial that. Medial tear or oh, strain? Oh, I think a strain, but so obviously, you know, that she'll continue to get that monitored and we'll, and we'll reassess. And the two yellows, is that, was that a fair sending off? Like? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not a ref, so I'm not going to make any comment on that. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, don't put yourself in a position to get a second yellow is probably my... Um, you know, my take on it, but at the end of the day, the refs will ref, and then the players have to abide by how they how they govern the game. And you know, Tiana's a tough player, and, and, and that's part of you know what she brings. Um, so you know, obviously, it's not not ideal for us, but you know, again, we'll just regroup and, and move on. And Ash, um, uh, some positives. Kirsty Fenton, obviously a player you know really well, but she was good at good at there left back. Yeah, look, Kirsty's someone that's come up through the academy. She's she's someone that's in that sort of future Matildas framework. So for her to be able to go out and, and play play a full game, first W League game, coming out of the academy, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm really proud of her. And um, you know we've known what a talent she has been for a long time, and it's it's great that she's managed to work so hard to get herself into this position. Um, She's usually a centre back, so for her to, you know, take Gem, Gemma Simon's position while she's been injured is, um, you know, is a real credit to the work that she's put in in the in the off season and the pre season. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how she she had her first game. And, uh, how long is Gemma Simon? Oh, look, still, you know, it's hard to tell. Still a couple of weeks, probably. Yeah. And also, um, Ashley Grodigan, she's back at the Jets after kind of dropping out of the league and playing in the local comp, but must, that must be pleasing as well. Yeah, look, Ash Ash went away from, from this level and, and matured a lot as a footballer. Uh, so it was really good for her to come in and, and train and trial on, train on and trial and um, and to be able to work her way back into a into a squad. You know, again, very happy for another Academy Newcastle product. So to be able to give opportunities to our, our Newcastle girls and know that they're, you know, able to put on performances that are warranted of being in an A-League women's competition. It's, you know, it's fantastic. Well, speaking of Newcastle, you're back home next week. Must be looking forward to playing in front of your home fans against Wellington on Friday. Yeah, ex- yeah it's, it's going to be fantastic. Double header with the boys. So, um, you know, it's always great. We always get a good good crowd coming to McDonald Jones Stadium for, to support both teams. And, uh, yeah, I think a home, a home game is going to be something that the girls are going to look forward to and hopefully that again motivates them to, to go out and put on a, put on a show.